0: You are listening to the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast. Today's message comes to us from the intern pastor of Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church, Connor Yonkers. It's good to be here. Um, so I've been an intern for the last four weeks. I haven't met most of you. So Before I begin, I just want to uh, talk about myself a little bit and who I am. So I'm Connor. I'm a Southern Adventist University student. I'm studying theology, and this coming January, I'm going to be pastoring in the Florida Conference. I got picked up, and so I graduate in December, and so I'm really excited about that. But this summer, I was like, why don't I go intern at a church somewhere? And I'm good friends with Luke back there. Um, We went to Southern for a little bit together before he graduated, and I have just heard so many good things about Marietta, so I was like, I'm going to come check it out. And you guys are just so blessed to have a leadership like Luke and Matt. Luke and Matt are phenomenal pastors, phenomenal leaders, and you guys are just so blessed to have them, let me tell you. And also, you guys are blessed to have such joyous children. Like These kids are, these kids are so much fun. They bring a, a smile to my face every single Sabbath. I see them up here during Children's Story. Um, they're so great and precious. Um, and so, anyway, a little bit more about me. I grew up in Hagerstown, Maryland. Some of you may know where that is, kind of an Adventist hub, because uh, the Review and Herald used to be there. I actually worked there for a little bit. Um, so I was born and raised there, and yeah, so that's a little bit about me. So let us pray. <laughs> Dearly Father, I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving me this message, God. You've been putting this message on my heart um, for a couple weeks now, and I just pray that you speak through me. Um, You send your spirit to me, God, uh, that these words be yours, um, and that you help me to effectively deliver the message, and I just pray that you surround your angels in this place today. In your name, amen. amen. Why... Are you here? Why are you in this why why are you in this church? Why why have you chosen to come here today? What, what made you walk through those doors today? Why why have you been why what has led you here? Why are you here? I want to ask another question. Why have you been coming to church if you, this isn't your first time? Many of you, you've been here all, maybe for the last 50 years. What, what made you start coming to church? What, what made you start coming into this building or any other church, that is? What made you join the Adventist church if you're a part of the Adventist church? We all have a different story. We all have a different place where we come from, and we all have different reasons why. We're here today. You can think back, maybe you found a piece of paper on the ground and it was a piece of evangelistic literature and you read it and you're like, oh, the Sabbath isn't Sunday? It's Saturday. I want to learn more about that. And then you decided to walk into the doors of an Adventist church. Maybe you had a Bible on your shelf and you've never touched it in your entire life. Forty years later, you pick it up because you were struggling with something and you wanted something more. And then you ended up here. Many of you, you grew up in the church, and your family brought you to church since you were a little kid, before you could remember. At the end of the day, we are all a byproduct of witnessing in some form or another. We've all been witness to, whether that was someone who printed out a Bible years ago and you found it on your shelf, or someone prayed for you and it impressed you that you should accept Jesus into your life, We've all been witnessed to, and that's why every single person in this room has decided to come here, because someone witnessed to you, and you said, I need to go to church. That is why we are all here. We're all a byproduct of witnessing in some form or another. In the Bible, there's many different people who were witnesses. In fact, every prophet in the Bible is a witness, and I want to talk about one of the greatest examples of witnessing in the Bible today. We're going to be focusing in the book of Acts. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 6. We're going to be focusing on a certain man in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. I'll let you have a chance to turn there. Acts chapter 3 through 5. After chapter 6, 3 through 5. And it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit... And wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased a whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and then six others. I want to focus on Stephen, though, also they're hard to pronounce. Um, So, Stephen, out of these seven people, Stephen is the only name mentioned with something, with an attribute attached to it. even is said to be a man of faith and a man full of the Holy Spirit. Now, the book of Acts, just to give a little background, the book of Acts is written by Luke, and this is talking about right after Jesus' death, the church is starting to grow. The church is starting to grow, and they need some leaders, and so they're appointing leaders, and they said, these are the seven leaders that we're going to be appointing. And specifically, they said that Stephen is a man of faith in the Holy Spirit. There was something different about Stephen. There was something different about Stephen, and I'm going to be saying that a lot today. There was something different about Stephen in the way that he lived his life and the way that he witnessed. Now, we're going to go through a little bit of Stephen's life um, right after this. uh, Because right after this, Stephen decides to start go witnessing to the Jewish community. And in the Jewish community, right after Jesus died, these people thought they had just done away with all the Christianity stuff and and with, with Jesus. But now Stephen is going to preach to all these Jews in this Jewish community, and he's claiming that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's exactly what made them mad at Jesus in the first place. So they thought that they killed Jesus, but now Stephen's coming along, and he's saying the same exact things. Jesus is the Son of God. And so Stephen, he's he's standing up for what he believes, and he's preaching to these Jewish people without fear. And then people in the Jewish community who are opposed of him start standing up against him. They start standing up against him. They start yelling at him. They start saying, you're a blasphemer. You're speaking lies. You're not true. And then they take him to the council. They take him to the council, and they say that he is a blasphemer before the law of Moses and God. And in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, and The high priest said, Are these things so? And then Stephen begins to give an entire history from Abraham to Solomon. He gives that whole entire history. Of, of the Israelites in Israel because he knew that that was the only way that he was going to get any credibility out of a community who just studied the old scriptures. So he's, he's giving this entire history and he says, based on this history, you guys should know that Jesus is the Son of Man. You guys should know this. Like, this shouldn't be any surprise to you. Why are you rejecting this? Because this... Based on all of this, you should understand that the prophecies say that based on this history, that there was going to be a Messiah to come take away the sins of the world. And they, they were rejecting it. And now I want to turn to, to your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, verses 54. Acts chapter 7, verses 54, and we're going to read from there. And it says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. So these, these Pharisees, these, these Jewish leaders, they were cut to the heart. And with, with the Greek language, that means that they understood what Stephen had said was true. So they knew what Stephen had said was true, that Jesus was the Son of God. They were cut to the heart, but right after that it says, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. So they were angry, but they knew it was true, but they were still angry. And so... They're angry at Stephen now, and they continue. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And so just imagine Stephen's, Stephen is before the entire council, and he's telling them this entire history, and they're just sitting there listening, getting angrier and angrier by the second. And then, full of the Holy Spirit, he, he looks up to the heavens and has this vision of Jesus standing next to God as the right hand son of God. And he said, look, in front of all of them, look, I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This was the kicker. This was the kicker because the very thing that was making them angry already, now he's saying he literally is seeing this in vision that Jesus is standing next to God as the Son of Man. This is a slap in the face to the Pharisees after they're already angry. And so what do they do? They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. So they literally covered their ears because they were so angry with what he was saying. And they took him out of the city. I can just imagine. They just picked up Stephen, started pushing him out of the city. And it says they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses started laying down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And that's an important point which I'm going to come back to. And I want to focus more on 59 and 60. Verses 59 and 60. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on the Lord and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he had fallen asleep. There's something different about Stephen. There's something different about the way he lived his life. There's something different, and what I really want to focus on is the difference is in the way he died is really how you start to see how he lived his life. And the way Stephen died and was stoned to death and his reaction and the way he lived out his last few seconds of life is what really makes a difference and helps us to see what was different about Stephen. And I want to go back to verse 59 so we can pick apart this a little bit more. And when it says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, I think this is something that really impacted me when I was researching this verse. The word to receive in the Greek is an imperative middle. So an imperative, I know you guys are going to be a little confused on this, an imperative is more of like a command in the Greek. An imperative is a command. And in the middle tense, in the middle voice, basically what it's saying is that he's commanding God out of a a desperate self-need in the moment. That's what's going on. So he's commanding of God, receive my spirit. But what's really interesting here is that the type of Greek that he uses, it's in the classical form. So in the Bible, most of it was more of the modern Greek at the time, but there was an older style of Greek that was sometimes used. And this is the older style of Greek, so it's more classical Greek. And so in this context, with this Greek, it's more of a peacefully giving up. And peacefully asking him, asking Jesus to welcome his spirit. So, so Stephen is literally being stoned to death at this point, and he's saying, "God, peacefully receive my spirit." I don't know about you, but that's just so so interesting to me because if I was being stoned to death, I would I would probably be crying out in agony. Yet Stephen is just peacefully giving up his spirit to God, in full security. In full faith that Jesus is with him through the entire process. There's something different about how Stephen handled this situation. And that's so important to see. And then we also see this. Not only did he have this peace about him and this security in his faith, but then we go to verse 60 and we see, Do not charge the sin on them. Do not charge the sin on them. Man, Sometimes we as people can be so petty as human beings. One little minuscule thing that can tick us off will make us just be so mad at another person. Yet, Stephen is literally being stoned to death. I was just thinking about this the other day. I was on the road, and sometimes, I'm I'm new to Marietta, and the road rage here is real. I'm just saying, Everyone, everyone on the road, especially during rush hour, gets so angry. I'm just like, why is everyone honking at each other? And... And then I start to realize, like four weeks in, I'm like, okay, I get it. This is why everyone's getting upset. Um, but I, I was just thinking about that as I was reading. This is like we just get so upset and we're just so petty about the things we do get upset. Yet when I read this, I realize even in the midst of someone being killed by his own enemies, he's 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 acting out. He's acting out an act of forgiveness and complete unconditional love. Because if we think about this, when he says, Lord, do not charge them with the sin, what does this parallel? Who else in the Bible has said something like this? Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And this right here, just, this right here proves that Jesus, in, at his moment of death, knew that it wasn't the end for the people who were killing him. Jesus knew that when he died, that everyone was going to have a chance of salvation, no matter where they were at in life. Now Stephen here, he has complete and utter hope, and this this divine love in him that he loves the Pharisees and the Jewish community so much so that he's asking God to forgive them, to give them another chance, because he wants this not to be the end for them. This This is how Stephen is different. There's something different about Stephen and when I think about the theme dare to be different daring to be different there's a difference between saying something and living it there's a difference between saying something and living it and so when we're daring to be different it's not going to be by what we say it's going to be by how we act but how we act we cannot do alone how we act is not we cannot we cannot create this type of spirit in us we can't do that alone. We can only do that with Jesus and all his love and his Holy Spirit being within us. Or else we can't produce this same character. Some of us, we just try and do it ourselves. We're always just trying to, to follow the law, and that's a, that's a slippery slope because then we have this weight of our own sins, but we have to give it up to Jesus, right? So when we're, when we're being a witness, what's really going to make the difference is how we live with Jesus in our hearts. Amen? Amen? Now, there's four things we can learn from the story of Stephen. Number one, the core of Christianity, the core of Christian commitment is service. Till the very end of his life, Stephen was committed to serving God no matter what it took. And I think about our theme here at Marietta, The theme that we're always constantly trying to serve, invest in our young people, invest in the community, invest in our relationships with each other and God. It's all about serving here. And I think that's something that I just really appreciate about Matt and Luke's leadership is they're like, how are we going to serve the community? Let's do this Mac Mile. Let's do these community service days. Let's get people involved in the church services. One of the core things that we learn about Stephen and the way he lived his life is that he was devoted to his service to God and to the Christian church and to the spread of Jesus' love. And so that's one thing. The core of Christian commitment is service. Number two, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses the ordinary person to do the extraordinary Sometimes we think that we don't have enough skills, we don't have enough, we don't have enough um, experience. You know, sometimes when we're trying to apply for a new job, they want us to have experience, but that's kind of an oxymoron because we can't get experience until we get a job, right? Okay, I've had to experience that. That's that's a real struggle with college students, right? Um, But here it's saying that Christian, so God can use the ordinary people for the extraordinary. You don't have to have any specialness about you for God to do extraordinary things for you because God has already deemed you special and will give you the tools and will equip you with the Holy Spirit to go do the things that you will never believe you can do. Amen? Amen? Stephen, he had complete faith that Jesus was going to do something with his life. And if you really see this, and I'm going to get to this point right now, Stephen, in that moment, no no one accepted Stephen's Preaching, right? Everyone rejected it. They actually just, they stoned him to death, right? So nobody in that moment did any, anything to accept Jesus in that moment. But if we look here, when we go back to, and there was a young man named Saul there. Saul met Jesus on the road just a few, maybe, I think it's two chapters after. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But it, in the later chapters, right after this happened, Saul meets Jesus. Saul meets Jesus and I, can't o- I can only help to think that when Saul accepts Jesus and becomes Paul, Paul then thinks back on what happened at the stoning of Stephen, and he thinks back on how Stephen lived his life. And he's like, that's how I need to be with my relationship with Jesus. And what did happen to, to Paul? He became the greatest evangelist the Christian church has ever seen. Stephen may have not seen the fruits of his labor, but when he goes to heaven, I can only think the interaction is going to be a little like this. Like Stephen's going to come up to heaven after the second coming and be like, Jesus, why, why is this man here? Why is Saul here? And then he's going to be like, well, my name is Paul now. And he's like, what? What is going on? And, and I just, I just I can't wait to get to heaven and talk to all these, these, these stories and everything, talk to these people about their, what they've done and everything. And I'm going to get to heaven and be able to see the things that I didn't even know I affected. I think that's something that we just have to have complete faith. So when we're we're committed to serving God, which was number one, we can have faith that God will use us to do extraordinary things as ordinary people. Just like Stephen did what he did, he may have not even seen. And that's why we have to have faith, even though we may be be persecuted, we may be rejected 10,000 times by our best friend when we're just trying to love on them. And I think sometimes we think that we have to keep telling people what they should and shouldn't do. That's not really what Stephen was necessarily doing. What he was doing was really just living the love of Jesus and continually serving people and doing all he could to help people to accept Jesus, right? Amen. So that number one, being committed to service and then believing that we can be Used to do extraordinary things as ordinary people. Number three, Christians can't be a living contradiction to themselves. Christians cannot be a living con- contradiction, aka Christians cannot be hypocrites and still be Christian. Christians cannot be hypocrites and still be Christian. Now, this is the thing. Sometimes we we as Christians, and, and this is I'm not naming like names or anything, but. We as Christians sometimes can tell people what they should and shouldn't do, but then we don't live it. How is that going to make any sense to people? And I think one of the biggest reasons why people are leaving the church isn't because they don't believe in the truth. It's because they see people preaching the truth but not actually living it. Okay? It's the hypocrisy that's making people have a bitter taste in their mouth on Christianity. And I think sometimes the... And this isn't every single time, but I think sometimes it's because we try to live the Christian life without Jesus. Because we try to live this Christian life, but we fail and fail again because we don't actually let the power of God live within us and change us and help us to, to witness to other people. And so we have to do this. We can't just be hypocrites. We have to let Jesus into our lives. Or else we're just going to be hypocrites and we're never going to be able to meet up to the expectations that God is calling us to do. We need his help. And so number four, we can't give up on people. We cannot give up on people. Even to death, we cannot give up on people. And I think that's the most powerful thing here that I'm I'm seeing in the fact that Stephen died. Because even though he died and he didn't see anybody accept his message at that time, he still said, Lord, forgive them and do not charge them for this sin. Meaning that he still had hope that sometime in the future, they would accept the message of Jesus Christ. He still had hope and he still had this love and compassion for them, even though they rejected the message of Jesus and stoned him to death for it. We can't give up on people. And I think I've done this in my life and I've, I've regretted it is when I just forget about somebody who's left the church. Or I forget about somebody who the first time they ask me what I believe, and they, they have a bitter taste in their mouth when I say that I'm a Christian, that I just give up. And sometimes all it takes is just living different. I, I've, I've been working this last year at a clothing company called Express. Um, sometimes when you're a college student, you can't really find another place, but Honestly, I wasn't really I wasn't really excited to work at this place, you know? But I needed money for, for college. But I ended up loving it because most everyone there, most of them weren't Christian, but they they saw something different in me and they would tell me, Connor, you're different. Connor, you there's something different about you. You're just a good guy. And I would just tell them, I just love Jesus and I don't know what else to say. Like, I just, I just love Jesus and I'm Christian. And I just remember that eventually towards the end of the year, they started asking me, what church do you go to? And I was like, well, I go to this church in, in, in Chattanooga and it's a Seventh-day Adventist church. And they're like, what's a Seventh-day Adventist? And so they started asking me all these questions. And it, it was just because I was living differently, because I had Jesus in my life, that I was able to just be a witness in that way. And so when I say living different and and daring to be different by living it is different than just saying it, it's completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. We have to dare to be different by choosing to let God reside in us so that we can live different in him, in his love, and that we can share it. So what does it mean to dare to be different? It's not just sharing biblical doctrines. It's not just Telling people what they're doing right or wrong. It's living and loving others. It's, it's living the love of Jesus and loving others. And through that, they see a difference. Because you have this security. You have this peace. You have this, this love in your heart that you cannot, that, that nobody else can comprehend. People will see you differently when you accept Jesus into your life. And you, and you live Jesus' love. But the thing is, is that we need God in our life to do it. We need God to reside in us. We need the Holy Spirit's help, or else we we can't do any of that work within us. But with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus' sacrifice, we can love our neighbor the proper way. We can serve the poor. We can serve our community. We can live an example of Jesus Christ. But we can't do it alone. We need Jesus. And when we have Jesus in our hearts, we can begin to dare to be different in everyday situations. How are you going to dare to be different? Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus into your life yet. Maybe this is your first time here, this is your first time hearing a message at a church. Maybe you've been sitting in these pews for a couple weeks and you have been wondering whether you should make the decision to follow Jesus. I'm telling you right now, you can't do it alone. You can't earn your salvation. You can't, you can't earn a good life. You can't do any of this stuff. Everything in this world is meaningless. But with Jesus, everything is meaningful. Jesus is the only way that we can have eternal life, is the only way that we can love each other in a perfect way, is the only way that we can do any good in this world. Daring to be different is allowing Jesus to work through us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for for bringing everyone here today, God. I don't know where everyone's at in their life. Maybe they've been struggling with different things. Maybe they've been going through a dry season. Maybe they've, they've been really hurting God from something that's happened to them from another individual. God, I just pray that you give these people in these pews hope. God, I just pray that you give them this hope, you give them this blessed assurance that your love is always pursuing them, that your love is always there for them, and God, I just pray that we learn what it means to truly dare to be different, where we can live as Stephen did, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and stand up for what we believe to be true, which is you, God, you being the Son of Man, you died on the cross for us, and That Because of that, God, that we can now experience this this love that doesn't make sense. God, I just want to thank you so much for your blessings and your mercies. And as we go out today, that we can dare to be different and trust you. In your name, amen. you were inspired by today's message, and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to contact one of our pastors, find out more about what we believe, or for information about our service times in Marietta, Georgia, please visit www.mariettaadventist.org. If you were inspired by today's message, please share it with your friends. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are available.